from the very beginning. All of creation pointed to him. Every prophet told of him. Every story spoke of him. His message is for everyone. His mission has never wavered. His vision is eternal. His passion brought him suffering and his purpose was fulfilled. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name. Good morning. Welcome to church. My name is Chase. Um, I'm the family pastor here at Rolling Hills. It's an honor and privilege to be here today as we start our second week of the, the series we call Jesus. And this is actually the second year we've named the series Jesus. And you may be thinking, well, why didn't we come up with another clever title? And I try to throw some out there. Like, don't put all your Easter eggs, or put all your Easter eggs in the Jesus basket. That didn't really go, go over too well. Or what about this one? It's a nod to TLC waterfalls. Don't go chasing rabbit, rabbit trails, trails. Choose Jesus. You like that one? That's why I'm not in charge of choosing the, the sermon series titles. Um, we went with Jesus because there's no need to add anything else to Jesus. We just went with Jesus. And here's a question I want to ask you today as we get started. Is it... What is your response whenever you hear the word Jesus? Immediately, like what is your response? What is the response whenever you say the word Jesus out in public? And leading up to Easter Sunday, we want to ask you this, another question. And no matter where you are in your faith journey, whether you're, uh, you, you've been a believer, a Christ follower for 40 or 50 years, or maybe you just started this journey with Jesus, or maybe you're in the room and you're, in, you're just discovering you haven't been in church in a long time. You thought you would give it another try today, and you thought you'd give it another chance. You came just to seek. Well, we, we believe a question for you is this. What do you do with Jesus? <clears throat> the name that has been the single most important name in all of history. It's the name that has been echoed throughout generations and generations of people. It's a name that we worship in the suburbs of Nashville and deep in the Amazon jungle. This name, Jesus, it's where... Time begins. Think about that. That's how our time is established BC and AD, before Christ and after his death. And, and so, what do you do with this guy named Jesus? And last week, Pastor Jeff did an incredible job opening up the series. We're talking about the message of Jesus. And if you weren't here, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it. The message of Jesus was all about love. In fact, he gave this greatest commandment. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second is like it. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. It's all about love. Jesus shared this message of love. And the, here's the problem. Whenever Jesus showed up, he had a group of people that didn't understand that. In a group of people called the Pharisees, the keeper of the law, the teachers of the law, law of Moses, what was given in the Old Testament. And here's what the Pharisees did. They were really good at taking the law, coming up with new laws in order for to, to, the people to obey the original law. It was law on law on law. You see, they fell in love with the law. And Jesus' message was a message of love. And, and what the Pharisees thought, that Jesus came to abolish the law. But Matthew 5, 17 says it this way, and this is Jesus talking. I did not come to abolish the law or the prophets. No, 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 I've come, not come to abolish, I've come to fulfill the law. 
I've come to complete the law. Like that was then and I've completed it and now I'm starting something brand new. And see, that's something the Pharisees did not understand. Jesus wanted to place the right perspective on himself and what, who the law was created for. See, Matthew chapter 12, we see this story, this incredible story of Jesus walking uh, with his disciples through some grain fields. And it was on the Sabbath. And one thing you don't do on the Sabbath, created by the law makers, is don't mess with the grain fields. Don't even touch them. You're not supposed to, you're, it's, it's a day of rest. Don't even do anything. The disciples were hungry. So what did they do? They picked some grain and ate it. And they were, the Pharisees were quick to call them out. And they said this, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. They're not doing the right thing. And Jesus' response to them was, Interesting, he said, haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on the Sabbath in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and are yet innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had only know what these words mean, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would not condemn the innocent, for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. You see, Jesus was there. He said, man, I, look, the Sabbath was created for man. Man wasn't made, wasn't created for the Sabbath. God was more concerned with, God wasn't more concerned with the Sabbath than he was people. You see, God created the Sabbath. He created law for people. And the Pharisees thought this. They thought that God loved the law more than God loved people. Because they did. Because they love the law more than they love people. And this is what many people do. They fall in love more with the religion than they do the people. They fall more in love with the religion than they do a relationship. They prioritize law over people. This was the essence of legalism. This is the essence of legalism. This is why so many people have walked away from the church. This is why maybe you're in the room today and you're giving church a second chance. And maybe you're in the room today and you got hurt, you got burned by, by somebody that, in the church that you grew up with that prioritized the Bible over, the, over your divorced mother. Or somebody that may have looked different or sounded different or didn't play the part. And Jesus came and he said at the end of Matthew chapter 12, the end of that story, he said, if any of you, he asked a question to the Pharisees, if any of you, has a, sheep and, has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, would you not go in after it? And then he says something in verse 12. How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? See, throughout the Gospels, Jesus introduced this idea that when, when people use the law of God to dishonor the people made in the image of God, they are on the wrong side of God. See, Jesus said, you're so concerned with the law, you're so concerned with the law that you missed the very people that the law was created for. Love first, law second. Don't miss it. Love first, law second. Don't misunderstand. And he was telling the teachers of religious law, they have it all backwards. People first, don't get so wrapped up in being right that you miss the mission of the gospel. There's a story, um, Josh McDowell, a Christian author, wrote in one of his books. He told a story about a church service that was happening, and the pastor, had, it's already time for the pastor to come and speak and preach and, and do, do his thing, and the, 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 the audience was full. The congregation was full. There was not a seat open in the place, and 
It was in like a traditional church setting. If you ever grew up in a Baptist traditional church setting, traditional building, you know there was one aisle, two rows going back. And in the front, you would know that there was a, there was a table. Does anybody remember what that table is? It's, it's a communion table, and it says on the front of the communion table, it says, do this in remembrance of me. And so the guy walks in the back, and he's looking for a seat, can't find a seat, so he begins to walk down the aisle. Can't find a seat. And obviously, everybody's sitting down, so you can feel the tension in the room. And this guy's walking up to the front of the stage, and he can't find the seat. He's at the communion table now, so what does he do? He just sits down. He sits down right in the middle of the aisle. And in the back... There was an older gentleman that stood up. He was a deacon of the church, and he begins to walk down. Get where I'm going with this? The tension is high. What is he going to say? He walks up to the young man, and he looks at him. He didn't say anything, and he sits down right beside him. You see, whenever that older gentleman walked up to him and saw this young man, he didn't think law. He thought love. He didn't think law. He thought this young man is made in the image of God. How can we expect people to act like Jesus if we don't, they don't know Jesus? How can we expect them to know Jesus if we don't tell them or show them? Jesus would usher in a new covenant in Galatians 3.28 says, There is no, neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male or female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. And what we, when we get to the end of Jesus' life, he gives us a mission to go along with the message. And Jesus, after his resurrection, he showed up um, for 40 days after his resurrection. After he had died, he rose from the grave, he showed up, and he's in front of over 500 eyewitnesses that he, different occasions. 500 people, they could see the nail-scarred hands and in his parting words to his disciples, he gathers his disciples together and he gives them parting words. And whenever somebody gives you parting words and it's their final breath of, life, breath of life before Jesus went up to heaven, you've got to pay attention. And he says this, and you guys know it. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely... I'm with you always to the end of the age. Typically, when you hear a, a message on missions or a message on Great Commission, you start with the word go. But I don't think that's where you should start. I think there's another word that you start with, and that word is this, all authority. Two words, all authority. Then you, the entire book of Matthew, the book, the book of Matthew was written by a disciple named Matthew, and Matthew recorded events, and he focused on this idea of authority. He emphasized authority, and, and the thing is, we live in a day and age where th authority is not the, received very well, but I want you to know that this was an idea of God, that authority means the right to command and enforce obedience, from the time Jesus came to the earth to the time he left, he was, he was establishing his authority. He did it in several different ways. And it's not in your notes, but you can write down these, these ways. The first is he established authority in his teaching. He displayed his uh, authority in his teaching. And every time Jesus would teach, he would, uh, he would get some sort of response. In Mark chapter 1, verse 22, the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught 
He taught them as if one who had authority, not as teachers of the, of the law. Get that. Not these guys who, who were the keepers of the law, the, the guys who were making sure everybody were do, was doing the right thing. So he, he, would, he taught with authority, not like those guys. And there was one, one situation where the Pharisees um, was going to have Jesus arrested. It's like they, they, so they got some, um, some temple guards. And the temple guards came back without Jesus. And they were like, well, where is Jesus? You were supposed to grab the guy and bring him to us. And this is their response. No one ever spoke this, the way this man does. No one ever spoke the way this man does. His hearers were amazed at the manner and contents of which Jesus spoke. See, he taught with authority from God. And he had the power to evoke decisions, not like the teachers of religious law who who were schooled in the oral interpretation of the law. They, they sat underneath teaching. People would communicate to them, and they would regurgitate what has been said to them. But when Jesus spoke, he spoke, he spoke as if it was different. He spoke as if he created it. That's because he did. He was there. Jesus had authority in his teaching, but Jesus also displayed authority in his miracles. See, Jesus had the authority to speak and cast out demons. He had the authority to, to stand on a boat when waves are rocking, rocking and, and then say, calm, be quiet, be still, and the, the seas would be still and be, be calm and quiet. He had the ability to heal the lame and heal the blind. He had the ability to, to turn water into wine. You see, Jesus displayed his authority in his miracles, and he also displayed authority in the forgiveness of sins. See, Matthew chapter 9, 6, he says this, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And if I'm, I'm listening to Jesus, just put yourself back then. Who is this guy? Who is this guy that says he has authority to forgive, forgive sins? I thought God only has the authority to forgive sins. Is he saying that he's equal to God? Yes, it's exactly what he's saying. And then... He has this final address to his disciples, and he says, all authority. Wait a minute. You got teachings, you got miracles, you got the power to forgive sins. What do you mean? I, th I thought that was all. It's like he's putting his final stamp of approval on his authority. It's like he's saying this. You may not have been on board, disciples. You may not have been on board whenever, whenever I, I showed my authority in my teaching. You know, there might be other people that come after me that are going to use lofty words and incredible speech, and they're going to speak as if they have authority, which they really don't, but you may believe that. Uh, I even perform miracles in front of you guys, and you may not even be on board after I perform miracles in front of you. I, I turn water into wine. I, I heal the blind, cast out demons. You may not be completely convinced of my authority based on my miracles. Oh, wait, and you, you might not be completely convinced whenever I tell you that I have the power to, to forgive sins and I have the authority over sins, but, but now I have showed you that I have authority over death. That's different. See, Jesus displayed his ultimate authority in his resurrection. He conquered the grave. Death had lost its sting. He was alive, and now he says, Go. How powerful of a picture is that? 
See, all authority had been given to Jesus, and we go under his authority, not our own. See, that word go is not passive. That word go is very active, and it means actually as you go. A lot of times we think of the word go, and we think of missions. We think about going overseas, Moldova, South Africa, or even the Amazon, but that's not what this is saying at all. It's saying whenever you leave this building, that's as you go. Whenever you go to work tomorrow, that's as you go. Whenever you go to school tomorrow, that's as you go. And our message is simple. The message, the love of Jesus, we share that love in order to what? To make disciples, to make followers of Jesus, to make apprentices of Jesus, and to baptize people. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, also teach them the ways of God. You know, I love this quote. Andy Stanley usually uh, makes this quote, and I just, I just love it. He says, Jesus, Jesus will not only make your life better, he will make you better at life. See, that's the message that we want to give, that Jesus changes everything. And since Jesus Christ today has all authority, we can obey him without fear, no matter where he leads us, no matter what circumstances we, we come into, that he leads us. And by his death and resurrection, Jesus has conquered all enemies. What tends to stop messengers from sending a message? Have you ever thought about that? What stops people from sending a message? I believe it's fear. Fear. I believe that's why Jesus spent so much time telling his disciples, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm in control. I've got this. You see, Jesus understood that the fear of people keeps people from fulfilling God's purposes. The fear of people keeps people from fulfilling God's purposes, the basis for courage for the disciples was found in the fact that Jesus had authority. See, courage, therefore, cannot begin with people. And God wants to establish that he is the source of courage. And if it doesn't happen, then the fear of people will always keep us from pursuing the things of God. And what, what happens whenever we, we begin to think about sharing our faith? The what ifs. <laughs> what if? What if it's not received well? What if I say something wrong or say something off? Or what if this hurts my career? Or maybe you're in the boat of, it's easier not to. It's easier, I'm in a comfortable spot. What's not an option for us? You see, fear is a human emotion that is triggered by a perceived threat, right? And immediately when we sense fear is happening, something is triggered. We either fight, flight, or freeze. And typically, we flight or freeze, don't we? And Jesus knows this about us, but Jesus also knew this about his early disciples. If you can remember correctly, these guys spent three years with Jesus. They saw his teaching. They knew he had authority in his teaching. They, they witnessed his miracles. They even heard him say, your sins are forgiven. But what happened after his death? They left. They fled. They went in hiding. I don't want to be associated with, with this. I'm going to go in hiding. And Jesus comes back and he reminds them of something at the end of his great commission. He says this, And surely I am with you always to the very end of, it, of the age. See, this was kind of his final proof of authority, his death, overcoming death. And Jesus never sends us where he's not. I think that's a good reminder for us. Jesus never sends us where he's not. 
I was thinking about the, something, some things that may happen for you in 2018. The tough conversations that you may have, the tough situations, the, um, the hospital rooms that you may be visiting or you may be in yourself. Jesus never sends us where he's not. He's, he's going before us and he's going with us. He's there waiting on us, preparing the way. And we, we can be confident and we don't have to be afraid. You know, Christianity is a missionary faith. It's not an option for us. The very nature of God demands this, for God is love, and, and God is not willing that any should perish. God is not willing that any should perish. And when we get to the book of Acts, we see that the early church operated on the basis that the Lord has sovereign authority. They ministered in the name. They, they relied on the power and authority of Jesus. They did not uh, face a lost wor- world on the basis of their own authority. They faced it on the basis of Jesus' authority that he gave to them. Authority is not, is given and not earned in God's economy. Do you know that? It's given and not earned in God's economy. And there was a conversation that happened with Jesus actually before his death. If you remember, he was standing before Pilate. And Pilate pretty much said, look, I have the authority, I have the power to either free you or crucify you. And Jesus answered him, you would have no power over me if it was not given to you from above. I'm the one that gives authority. I'm the one that establishes authority and because Jesus' disciples understood that Jesus has authority over death, they had no fear of persecution. Let me ask you this. Why in the world did Christianity have explosive growth in the first century? You ever thought about that? Why? Was it because a guy who performed miracles, a guy who, who had incredible teaching, a guy who, who had the power, who said he had the power to forgive sins? No. It was a guy who, who resurrected. A guy who conquered death. And they understood that, that they don't have the power. They, they, they can face one who ha- may have the power to destroy the body, but they can rest in the truth that, that they know the one who has conquered death. That changes everything. It changes, it changes our pursuit of sharing the message of Jesus, doesn't it? And you see, all the disciples died a martyr's death except for one. Did you know that? All the disciples died for their faith except for one. Do you think they needed to hear that I am with you always to the very end of the age? Do you think they needed to know that Jesus conquered death before they went? Absolutely. See, all the, except for one, the guy named John. John actually, um, poor John, he, he, he got put in boiling cauldron and he didn't die and they just cast him off to an island all these guys so I asked the question why did people still choose to follow Jesus and share the message because whenever you serve the one who has conquered death you have no fear of earthly things that's it and because of the courage of the early church the church grew and grew People who were passionate about spreading the gospel and spreading the good news of Jesus emerged. People like Martin Luther, John Wesley, Jonathan Edwards, Dwight Moody, um, Martin Luther King Jr., and a guy named Billy Graham. And you guys know, Jeff talked about it last week. Billy Graham passed away a few weeks ago. And this guy, I'm so thankful for his life and legacy. 
because he had a profound impact on a lost world. But you may be thinking right now, well, that's not me. Like, I don't have that platform. I don't have an incredible voice like Billy Graham had. But let me show you a picture of this. Last week, I had the privilege of hanging out with a group of incredible leaders in the Amazon jungle. These are pastors in the Amazon jungle. Let me tell you about them. Nobody knows their name. Newspapers probably won't write about them. And chances are when they die, the outside world of the Amazon may never know, but their impact on the world and their desire to see the Great Commission fulfilled is just as great. They are making a difference in going to the most difficult places on planet Earth in order to share the gospel. They matter. Their lives matter. They're making a difference in this world. And you may be thinking, well, I'm not a pastor. It admits me from um, the Great Commission. Now wait. Who were the first disciples? Fishermen, tent makers, tax collectors. Those were the first disciples, and we cannot omit ourselves. It's for everybody. There's a guy in our church. His name is Tim Burke. Tim has become one of my faith heroes. If you've been following Tim's journey, he's been on a long battle with cancer. And this past Saturday, he got some difficult news. Um, I want to share a video with you. I've asked for his permission to be able to share this. But this guy um, lives out his faith in Jesus with fervor. He doesn't want to see anybody spend eternity in hell. And he has a passion and love to share, uh, share Jesus with others. Let's watch this video. Hey, good morning, everybody. I thought I'd uh, post a quick update uh, on Facebook. <laughs> Probably not the type of update uh, some of you are, are used to uh, for me, but uh, nevertheless, uh, last weekend I uh, was admitted to a uh, hospital, spent the night in the hospital for the first time since I was born. It was kind of weird. You know, I've been, I've been battling cancer for six years. And um, so they admitted me and uh, basically where I'm at is that my, my blood has been so pulverized you know, over the last three years from treatment that I can't get my numbers up uh, for further treatment. So I'm kind of in no man's land and uh, you know they've been great about giving me you know transfusions and but I gotta tell you listen God bless you everybody who gives blood anytime I get blood I'm always looking at the bag and wondering you know what's the story here right well um, Saturday afternoon, doctor came in and uh, informed Colleen and I that um, I've got about two months left to live. Um, and, uh, you know, it was tough, but it wasn't unexpected. Uh, what was tough, and it's the toughest conversation I've ever had in my life, was um, coming home Saturday night and telling her, uh, telling our children, But um, if you don't believe in God, <laughs> yeah, you should have been here Saturday night because uh, things came out of my mouth that I'm just not smart enough to say. And um, so God was all over that. So our family is, is uh, dealing with this news. Um, I've got so many people around me, again, praying, supporting us. 
I want to write. Um, I want to spend it with Colleen, my children. So when they're at school, I want to write. There's things that I want to write into their future. Um, and, you know, I believe each of us has a, uh, there's a stewardship of influence. There are people that are put in our lives, that God puts in our lives uh, to share Jesus Christ. So, you know, you can expect me with my last breath to be talking about Jesus because in all of life and all of the questions and everything that happens, as a guy who's got two months to live, I am here to tell you that the decision that you need to make in your life is are you going to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or not? It comes down to that. And I want to be the friend that points you to Jesus Christ. So, I, I, listen, this is, uh, this is tough news to be able to share. Uh, people are going to ask, what can I do for you? Just love us, you know, just pray for us. I'm on God's clock. I'm not on cancer's clock or the doctor's clock. I'm on God's. So, you know, every moment I have left, I want to live to the fullest. There's joy in, in every aspect of life and every season of life. And um, I'm joyous in the fact that my life is controlled uh, by Jesus Christ. So um, I may not go out like Bruce Willis in Armageddon. Uh, but I will be roaring the name of Jesus uh, until I exit. So with that, I love you guys, and uh, thanks for listening, and we'll post again soon. Bye. I'll be roaring the name of Jesus until my last breath. When we understand the message, the love of Jesus, and we understand the mission to go, it leads to motivation. What's the motivation? The motivation to see others fall in love with Jesus. The motivation to see and experience life transformation. The motivation to see the great commission fulfilled in our day. Because we do this in how we live and how we love others and how we share our faith. Let me ask you a question and I'll close. The question is this. How important is this for you? How important is this for you? How important is this for me? Maybe I'll ask a different question. Why is it important for your son or daughter? Why is it important for your coworker? Why is it important for the, the, one of your, your friends who may be making poor choices in their marriage? Why is it important for your buddy who may be going through a divorce? Why is it important for them? Because of this, because we believe that, the, that Jesus is the answer to brokenness in the world. And through his resurrection, people can live with him forever. Let me ask you a different question. What is, what is our response? Let's pray. Father, we, we love you. God, I'm thankful for this, this message of hope. This message of love that, that Jesus came to the earth to display. God, even more than that, I'm grateful for a mission. A mission that says, my grace and my hope and my love is for all people everywhere. It's not for one person or one nation. It's for the whole world. It's for my neighbor. 
It's for my son or daughter. It's for the guy who, who may be hurting and broken. God, help us to have confidence in who you are. Help us to have confidence in, in your authority, not our own. Help us to have confidence because, because God, you, you conquered death. We don't have to fear the one who can destroy the body because we, have, we, we know the one who's in control of all things. God, thank you. Thank you for this time to, to worship and, and to even hear from a guy named Tim Burke who's making an incredible difference in your kingdom. I'm grateful for his story and his testimony. God, I pray that the message and the mission leads us to motivation. In Jesus' most precious name, amen.